Thanks for tuning in to our Cypress Church podcast. To learn more about our church, visit our website at cypresschurch.net and join us for our Sunday morning services at 9 and 11 a.m. Subscribe on iTunes for more. Well, good morning. How are you all this morning? I just got back from the Los Alamitos branch and I am on fire. Woo! This preacher's on fire. <laughs> no, I mean, you know, it, it, I, I'm an extrovert, and so I get energized by being around people. And the more I am, the more energized I get, and it drives Christy absolutely nuts, my wife. But I'm glad to be here this morning. Uh, it, just uh, uh, mine is Mike, one of the pastors here, if you're new. And uh, I haven't preached in a couple of weeks. And so, man, I am ready to pack in all, like, three weeks of stuff into one Sunday. So get ready. This is going to be exciting this morning as we walk through God's Word and continue in this wonderful series called Game On, walking through the, the Gospel of John. But I, 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 as I mentioned a few weeks ago, uh, these next couple of months are just incredibly amazing if you are a rabid fan of sports. I mean, this is an incredible time. Uh, these next few months are packed uh, full of so many sports to watch and to play from American football to cricket to hockey and that riveting sport of curling to gymnastics and ice skating and European club soccer to professional bowling and baseball. Oh, and there's more. Uh, every player, yes, every player plays for the love of the game. But they put themselves in a game-on environment to grow and to learn so they can play well and they can win for their team. Uh, <clears throat> that environment <clears throat> takes personal sacrifice and loyalty. Now, we've talked about loyalty a couple of weeks ago. when We talked about a certain basketball player who uh, shifted their loyalty. Yeah, and I still am amazed at how many people are not, are not excited. You are, I guess, excited about that move? Yeah, some of you still aren't. You know, when you have the greatest basketball player of all times come to one of your teams, you ought to be excited about that. So, yeah, you can come. He's an amazing basketball player. And to watch him is poetry in motion. And actually, <clears throat> Lakers ticket sales have skyrocketed. Games are sold out because they want to see King James uh, do his thing. But but not, and, and he shifts loyalty. He's no longer uh, playing for a, a different team. He's playing for the Los Angeles Lakers, and we're excited about that. It's good because that's what it takes. If you want to be a, a game on person, you need to switch loyalty and, 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 and become part of the team that you're on. And he's not going to shoot baskets for another team. We hope not. <laughs> you know, he knows which side is his when he, when they're playing. But, but, but also, not only that, it takes hard work. Now, there are lots of teams out there, but I know that one team that's really working hard are the, the Los Angeles uh, Rams. Yeah, okay, there's a little more excitement about the Los Angeles Rams. Do we have any Rams fans here? Okay, f you know, a few of you. That's good, that's good. You know, we're getting there. Uh, but, but I don't know if you've been following uh, some of their practices and, and interviews of the different players, but these players, they want it bad. And so they're really practicing hard because this year they want to make an amazing uh, uh, presence this year and doing a fantastic job because they know it's going to take hard work because that's what it does. When you have that game on attitude, it takes some hard work. Now, th th this sports reality has some similarities to the game of life that we're in. Uh, it's, it, it, yes, 
in the area of loyalty. And we talked about how LeBron is putting on a Lakers jersey. And we asked a couple of weeks ago, what jersey are you wearing? Because you're going to be on Jesus' team. On his side, you need to be wearing his jersey. And that means you're loyal to him. It also takes sacrifice. And of course, hard work. All to know God and to live life his way. But the truth is, we don't actually grow ourselves. First uh, Corinthians chapter 3, verse 7 says that, that it's God who causes the growth. And yet, just like these athletes who put themselves in an environment of growth, you know, they practice, they lift weights, they run through drills. So do we. We practice. We, 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 we practice our faith. And, and, that, and through that practice of faith, God miraculously builds into us character. And we grow in faith. And we need to be in the right environment to practice. That's why I love 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 5, where it says, For this very reason, make every effort to supplement to your faith virtue and virtue, knowledge. And it goes on the list all the way through to verse chapter 7, about all the different areas to practice in. Those wordings, uh, make every effort, literally mean at your own risk. In other words, at your own effort and energy, you put yourself in that environment to grow and then practice the things you're supposed to practice. And God miraculously builds growth. That's what happens in that environment. But, but, and, 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 and in that, when we practice virtue, we, we gain that virtuous fruit and, and the same way with knowledge and, and, and perseverance and self-control and godliness and brotherly love and that loyal love, that agape love that God has towards us, we are to practice with other people. And as we do that, God builds into us those qualities. Sounds a lot like a workout. Because that's what it is. It's the environment and practice of our spiritual workout where God takes us through the the five spiritual growth stages. We've been talking a lot about that in our Game On series and through our Game On devotional to move from the crowd to the curious, the convinced, the committed, the commissioned. We call that from C to C. Crowd, you know, so forth, all around that little hockey puck that's up there. And uh, all... And in all this, Jesus is the focus, not our efforts, though we need to put ourselves in the environment, but Jesus is the focus. He's the key of our environment. We call that belief. If you remember, the Bible book of John is all about the word believe or to believe. And as we believe in Jesus, the Holy Spirit grows us. So as part of the crowd, those who really don't know much about Jesus at all. When, 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 when they see Jesus, when we see Jesus in the, uh, from the crowd, the Holy Spirit instills in us a curiosity and we have the chance or the choice to see more of Jesus or not. As part of the curious, those who are kind of thinking, okay, maybe Jesus thing is, is, is all right and I should check into it. When we know more of Jesus, know about who he is and, and, and his way of life and what he's like, when we know Jesus, the Holy Spirit instills in us a hunger to know more about Jesus and his way of life. And we have the choice, the choice to put forth the effort to know or not. The <clears throat> same way it is as part of the convinced. When we when we're convinced that who Jesus is the right way, when we yield to him, the Holy Spirit instills in us a desire to obey, to obey Jesus in his way of life. And we have the choice to obey or not. As part of the committed, those who are like, yes, Jesus is the way, and they're committed to him. When we love Jesus, the Holy Spirit instills in us a longing to abide in Jesus. We have the choice to depend, to trust, to stay in Jesus or not. 
as part of the commission, those who are, are seeking to live out their purpose in life and, and, and go God's way. When we follow Jesus as a commission, the Holy Spirit instills in us the inclination to do what Jesus did. And we have a choice to follow Jesus or not. Now, sure, we, we can choose at any stage and at any time in our life not to listen to our coach, our, our coach, the Holy Spirit. That's called quenching the spirit in First Thessalonians 5, verse 19. Or it's, or it's grieving the Holy Spirit uh, that's mentioned in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 30. Actually, if you, if you read um, all around that verse, starting in Ephesians chapter 4, verse around 17, all the way through to verse 32, it talks about this idea that, that when we grieve or when we quench the Holy Spirit, what we're doing is we're taking ourselves out of God's in, in growth environment and trying to do it on our own. And it never, never does well that way. I mean, you know, rarely does an athlete say, ah, you know, I've got a better coaching strategy than you do and takes himself totally out and on their own, they usually don't do well at all. God desire, God's desire is that we stay in his growth environment. Now, the Gospel of, of John is, is challenging us in this process of growth uh, to grow God's way, to be who we were created to be by encouraging us to believe. And to believe is to see Jesus as real, to, to know him for who he is, to, to yield to his good way of life, to love him with the same loyal love he has loved us with, and to follow him. That's belief. And in John chapter 15, verses 1 to 11, a key element of moving us from the committed category to the commissioned is to abide in Christ. We're going to look at that, what abide means. For to, to abide in Christ is to respond to who Jesus is, respond to what he says, all in the reality of his amazing love for us. And that response is a choice, a choice to abide or not. And in John chapter 15, verses 1 to 11, we're, we're given three choices to abide in Christ. And so before we jump into that, I know you're thinking, huh, I thought that was a sermon. Oh, there's more. Why don't you stand with me and we'll pray and then we'll jump into this. <clears throat> Father God, thank you for just the truth of your word, um, how great it is and how right it is. And Father, I pray this morning, uh, even though that we came here by our own free will, uh, I really believe, Lord, you orchestrated us to be here because there's something you want us to gain from this morning. And so I pray you would open us up, allow us to have our spiritual eyes and ears open to, to gain something. We can walk out of here really grasping something today so bless this time and, and use it we pray in jesus name amen have a seat and take out of uh, the outline the portnev's uh shared with you about earlier on in the service uh, there's some blanks to fill in uh and and that and the, uh, the the answers will be up on the screen in here as they already have been and and i am going to use a lot of verses so i encourage you to pick up one of the study guides they're usually here almost every single week out in the lobby area some people have gotten really smart and they pick up these before they come into service it's not cheating to take notes on the one that's already written because there's lots of stuff that's written there. So I encourage you to, to do that. Uh, so take your Bibles and open up to, to John chapter 15. If you don't have our, a Bible, our wonderful ushers are walking down the aisle. If you want to borrow a Bible, uh, just wave at them. I know Justin, Pastor Justin, last week uh, told you what page it's on. I figure you're smart enough you can figure it out. John chapter 15 in the New Testament. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Chapter 15 comes right after chapter 14. It's kind of easy to figure out. So... 
Go ahead and turn there. <laughs> so three choices to abide in Christ. <clears throat> the first choice to abide in Christ is to depend on Jesus, on who Jesus is. So let's, uh, what that means is to live in dependence of who Jesus is. And so let me read you this first part of John chapter 15. Jesus writes here, and the reason I know it's Jesus writing is because it's in red in my Bible. I don't know if it's in your Bible that way, but there's some Bibles that have the words of Jesus, what he said in red. Nobody's making any comment on that. I got to laugh at the last two, two services with that. <clears throat> Maybe you're also just knowledgeable. Are you all here? Yeah. Okay. Jesus says, I am the vine and my father is the fine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes it that it may be more, may, may bear more fruit. Already you have been clean because the word that I have spoken to you, because of the word I have spoken to you, abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine. Neither can you unless you abide in me. Now, now the illustration is really clear that Jesus is talking about. He wants people to get a picture in their mind because these are all over uh, that part of the world. Uh, grape vines and, and, and grapes hanging off of grape vines and all of that. And you have a picture of one on your outline. I really want you to get a hold of that because that wooden part is the vine like Jesus is the vine. And then the branches branch off of that and they're the ones that hold the fruit. Now, I went to a, um, I did a wedding last week. The Goss family who attends here at church. Becky Goss and also her fiance Tyler uh, attend here and they got married last Sunday afternoon, Sunday evening and it was a beautiful winery and there was grape vines everywhere so I thought oh, I got to take pictures for Sunday but uh, you can see the grapes coming off the grapevine there and you kind of get the picture in your mind, well <clears throat> I also have a vineyard in my backyard I didn't know if you knew that, it's right there It ha- it's one vine but it's the McKay family vineyard and, uh, and, and I have been learning how to be a vine dresser from that. I'll explain more about that easy, but that's my vine. And you can see that the grapes are hanging off of there and all of that. And hopefully I'll be able to eat them before the rats do, but it's, it's there. And, and the idea that Jesus is talking about is that to really grow, to really produce the fruit that God has for you is to make sure that you're attached to the vine. Because that fruit, that bunch of grapes, if I was to cut that branch off, what would it do? Die. The leaves would wither, the grapes would shrivel up, they wouldn't even be good raisins yet because they're just not full bloom yet. But they, they would just die because apart from the branch, you can do nothing. And, and so Jesus is saying to grow is to know who he is, that he is the branch, <clears throat> that he is the life giver. And everything we need for life and growth is found in him. To abide, which also means to live in, is to depend upon who Jesus is. So the question comes, who is Jesus? Well, John, uh, um, I love I love John, the, the author of the Gospel of John, loves the number seven. And so there are a lot of sevens in this. And actually in John chapter one, there are seven titles of who Jesus is. And so we're going to look at those that God, and, and, and challenges us that for when we abide in God's way, God grows us. And so let's expand on, on these seven titles of who Jesus is. And the first one is, is found in John chapter one, verse 29. It says, Jesus is the lamb of God. Now, this refers to the Passover lamb that every Jewish person hearing that would totally understand what lamb of God is. Because you remember that, that Israel was held in bondage in Egypt for hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years. 
And they had cried out for God to rescue them. God finally, did, after some 400 years, he sent a redeemer to him. Remember who that was? Moses. Moses went to Pharaoh. Let my people go. And Pharaoh goes, no, are you kidding me? They're my slaves. No way. They're building me all these temples and, and pyramids. and No way. So God tells Moses here, throw some plagues at him. So he begins to start throwing these plagues. And, you know, Pharaoh, you know, some wants to relent. And then then, now he wants it. And he hardens his heart. And he says, no way. Finally, to the last plague, the death angel is going to come over and kill the firstborn of every family. Unless they have their door of their house covered with the blood of a spotless lamb. They were to follow God's instruction, take this spotless lamb and, and, and slaughter it and then take the blood and put it on the doorpost and above the door. And as they did that, when the death angel came, it passed over their house. And all those homes that did not have that death entered that home and the firstborn died. Pharaoh didn't believe. He didn't put anything over his doorpost and his son died. Pharaoh was so distraught. He finally let the people go and they are redeemed out of Israel because of the lamb of God. The lamb spotless lamb. Well, we're in bondage as well. The Bible says that all of sin and fallen short of the glory of God. We are shackled with sin and that sin continually pulls us down towards a Christless eternity and continues to keep us from being who God is, wants us to be and keeps us out of the presence of God. And it's awful. There's nothing we can do to release ourselves. And we cry out to God for help. And so he sent the lamb of God, Christ, to take care of our sin issue when he died on the cross. When Jesus died, he screamed out, it is finished, which in Greek means the word to tell a story, which means paid in full. Our sin debt was taken care of and our captivity was freed when we believe in him. And, and so, so that, that it comes that we are freed by the lamb of God and to depend upon Jesus as a lamb of God. It says, when I believe I am free of my sin, it has no bearing on me. It has no pull on me. I can be who God's created to me, me to be. I can know that I'm going to heaven and I can know that, that I can have a relationship with God. There's nothing that stands in the way anymore. And to depend upon that is to rely on that. Nothing that we do. You can't fix your sin no matter how hard you try. Going to church isn't enough. Not enough money. Not enough prayers. Not enough Bible memory. Not, nothing is enough. Jesus is enough. And he's it. That's why when we say the Lamb of God is to depend upon him for our sin issue. Jesus is also the Son of God. In, in John chapter 1, verse 34, of God, meaning the same nature as God, meaning he is God. He can deal with our sin issue. He's the high sovereign Lord of all existence. And to depend upon him as God is to know that he is there for us. Powerful. And that he has plans and and purposes, even though we don't understand. He has to depend upon him and to know that Jesus is that son of God, that God who could walk us through life. In John chapter 1, verse 38, he's called rabbi which means teacher to depend upon him as teachers to hold that his teachings are true and right. And to take them in. The question is, is he your teacher or who really is your teacher? Is, is it yourself? Is it some other philosophy out there? Some, some inclination you have from your childhood 
Who really is your teacher? Because it makes a difference on how you're going to live. Jesus says, if you want to live right, see him as rabbi. Jesus is a son of man. In in John uh, 1 verse 51 Yes, the Old Testament promised Messiah. That was a term they used for the Messiah in the Old Testament is, is the son of man was in one of those. And, and, but, but, but he is also truly human, just like you and me. Who, and he knows our struggles. He's felt what we feel. Actually, if you want to write down Hebrews chapter 4, verse 15, it says that we don't have a high priest who can't understand uh, us, but has, we have a high priest who can identify with our weakness, identify with our issues. And to depend on Jesus as a son of man, is to get that he understands our struggles and our issues. He knows what you go through. He's felt it. He's been there in the trenches with you, and he gets it. Yeah, but he's also Messiah. As John one forty one says, it means he's the Savior King. To depend upon Jesus as King is to give way to his leadership in our life. So just like the rabbi question, who's, who's really leading you? Is it, is it your own kind of desires or, or you know, those issues? Oh, I, if I just had this, oh, that's leading you. Or is it really Jesus? Is he your true Messiah? Because that's who he is. In that, he is the king of Israel, as John one forty nine says. Jesus is the promised king of the Bible who's Rule and reign are right and good and can be trusted. And to depend upon Jesus' king is, to, is again, to, to come under his governance. Just says that his rule is the one that I'm going to follow in life. Not just the, the rule of the day or, or my thoughts, but everything's going to come subject to his rule. Because he's the king. And the last one I really love is the title of Jesus is Jesus of Nazareth. As John 1 verse 45 says, yes, our Savior, our King, our Messiah, our teacher, the Lamb of God, the Son of God, but yet of Nazareth, which means he did not come from privilege. And as verse 46 of John chapter 1 says, that nothing good comes out of Nazareth. It's like saying that he, Jesus, came from the the slums or the the poorest area of town, the despised area of a lowly birth. Actually, Isaiah foretold that in Isaiah chapter 53, verses 2 and 3, when he said that he will be despised, rejected, and esteemed not. And to depend on Jesus is to see him as real people. See, Jesus is woke. If you don't know what that term means, look it up. Because Jesus is the epitome of that. And, he, and not only that, that, that Jesus knows the ins and outs of humanity and to depend on him is to engage him as someone who can relate to you. See, when you're going through cancer <clears throat> and you come across somebody who's been through cancer, boy, there's a bond there because they know what it feels like. When you, when you go through a divorce or, or from a family of someone of a divorce as a kid and and you face that and you come up with somebody who's gone through the same things you have, there's there's a bond there. In any struggle that we go through and we hear that someone has gone through the same struggle, wow, there is a bond. There is a connection. There is nothing that you will ever go through or have been through that Jesus can't identify with. 
And he does. And he has a, a special connection to connect you because he's Jesus of Nazareth. He's not Jesus that just has sat in his high, holy uh, uh, kingdom and has kind of stepped down to grace us with his presence. No, he was of, of lowly birth. He's Jesus of Nazareth. That's who Jesus is. And to grow in faith is to live in this reality and to keep learning who he is and, and, and respond by living in, uh, in or abiding with a great dependence on who Jesus is. For to abide in Christ is to respond to who Jesus is, what Jesus says, and the reality of Jesus' amazing love for us. Now in all this, God is the vine dresser orchestrating our growth. And yeah, as verse, verses talk about in, in 1 to 4, that he does cut away the deadwood because there are people that will not receive the Lord. They just choose not to because of God's uh, great love for us. He gave us a free will because you can't have love and free will at the same time. You can't have love and no free will. He has to give us free will to experience true love. And in that, there are people who will receive him or not. And they will be. He, God is the judge. He's the right judge. He will remove those who don't. And they'll head off into a crisis eternity where others will head off into a wonderful eternity with Christ as king and it'll be amazing. But he, not only that, he prunes to bear much fruit. You know, being that um, <clears throat> I'm a vine dresser with the McKay Vineyards, um, I, I, want, I, let, I actually used this for an illustration here a long time ago and I thought it was dead I planted it, and it's been growing like crazy ever since. I think I've had it for like 10 years. And there was one year that I, I just let it grow, and it grew up it grew up all in the back of my lattice, grew up over lattice onto the roof of my house. It grew like 15 feet into the neighbor's yard. I mean, it was all over the place, hardly any grapes. And if they were, there were these little, little tiny things that we couldn't deal with. And so I figured, you know, since I'm going to be a, a vine dresser now, I shouldn't learn how to dress the vine. So I went to the nursery, uh, plant nursery, and, you know, asked him about that. And he said, oh, you have a choice. You can either have big leaves and a lot of them or big grapes. You decide. Because what you have to do to get good, big, luscious, juicy, sweet grapes is you have to prune the vine. Because now the energy, instead of going out to make big, wonderful leaves, you have now, now the energy is transferred and flows into those grapes to make big, juicy, wonderful, tasty grapes. But yet those, those branches are beautiful, the big, giant I mean, they're leaves, like this big, big, giant leaves, and, and all that kind of stuff, and they, they fill the whole yard and all kinds of things like that. But you have to prune them. See, God does that with us in our lives. We so easily just kind of have this sprawl in life where we kind of do everything and anything and kind of go a hundred million different directions. And we we're growing this way and growing that way. And some of them look luscious and green. And, and yet God says, if you really want the right fruit, I'm going to need to prune those areas off. And that's sometimes hard because a lot of that pruning comes through trial and tribulation and struggle. And that's hard. I mean, it is a little bit of trauma when you cut off a branch off of a tree, uh, off of a grapevine. But yet it's worth it because of what it produces. Write down James chapter 1, verse 3 to around 4 or 5. Consider it pure joy, brethren, when you encounter various trials, knowing the testing of your faith produces 
endurance, that testing of our faith is those trials that we go through. God takes any issue in our life and he uses it to dress the vine. So the energy gets pushed toward those good fruits that he wants to develop in our life. He is the great vine dresser. He also lifts us up. Actually, in verse 2, some of your versions say he takes away. And there's a controversy over that verse because some say, well, God just cuts it off and throws it away. And, and yet, it, it, it doesn't seem like that in my study of the context. And, you know, being the vine dresser that I am. Um, <clears throat> when you take that main trunk, that branch that Jesus is, and, and these little vines, you know, pop off of that. And some of them grow down. And, and you can easily, if you're not careful, you can, you know, yank them up and it will snap them right off because they're fragile. And then yet, yet what, what they used to do in Jerusalem, and, and, and they don't now because they have wires and stuff, but they didn't have wires, so they would dig stones and they would, they would they'd put the branch would be falling down and they put the stone underneath it, then another stone, and then another stone, and another stone. And finally, those little fingerly things that the on grapevines would grab a hold of different things and it would begin to grow up and then up into the sunlight where it would then produce fruit. And so God cares about that enough and he lifts you up. He provides encouragement and, and blessing and help to help us so that we do produce. Yes, he prunes, but he also lifts up and he cleans us through Christ. I don't know if you noticed my grapevine was a little dirty because it's dusty in my backyard sometimes and I need to you know, hose off the leaves so the proper photosynthesis happens and, and, that, and we're clean through Christ. So the question is, will we choose to depend on Jesus and God, the vine dresser? This is the best environment for growth. Well, John goes on and gives us another choice to abide in Christ is to trust in Jesus word, to continue in trusting the truth of what Jesus says. So let me read on now verse five. I am the vine, Jesus says, and you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, it is he who bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and withers. And the branches are gathered and thrown to the fire and burned. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. By this, my father is glorified that you bear much fruit and prove to be my disciples. Jesus is saying true life. The life we were created to live is found in him as we continue in, as we abide in his teachings, his truths he expresses. When we do, we live true to who we are created to be, and our desires will be in line with Jesus's. So the question comes, what are Jesus' teaching? Well, there are many. The Bible is packed full of them. Even here in the, in the book of John, they're great teachings. But let's focus in on just the words of Jesus, those different I am statements of Jesus. These are his, his words to us about him and about his teachings in those. Jesus said, I am, in, in John chapter 6, verse 35 to 48 and 51, Jesus said, I am the bread of life. And to trust in these words is to have the confidence that knowing him, knowing Jesus, and life his way is enough to satisfy what our life hungers for. Now, I don't know about you. I don't know how many donuts you had at donut time before you came in here, but I love donuts. Krispy Kreme are one of my favorites, but boy, I tell you, a nice, juicy, you know, grease kind of dripping off it, apple fritter. I'm salivating right now. Um, Annie uh, will bring me every now and then uh, apple fritter. <laughs> and I can eat the whole thing. <laughs> and boy, it feels good going down. And after about a few minutes, ugh, 
that kind of, you know, sugar low sets in and you kind of, your legs all feel thick and you just kind of feel like, you just want to kind of go take a nap. And then you feel, because even though you, you hunger for that, it may not be the right thing. What we really need is good nutritious diet. Well, there's a lot of things that we hunger for in life. Success, uh, this certain relationship, this certain uh, job opportunity, this certain amount of money, this, 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 this notoriety. We, we hunger for a lot of things. But the only thing that's really going to satisfy is the bread of life. And that's Jesus. And, it, and to trust in his word when he says, I am the bread of life, is to say that Jesus is enough. It doesn't mean that we, we stop striving to do well or to do the things that we think that God wants us to, but it, we, we realize that our fulfillment in life is found through him, not through anything else. That makes sense? Someone say amen or yes or something. <clears throat> Jesus said, I am the light of the world in John eight twelve, And to trust in these words is to turn on the light. And how we turn on the light is to, to read his word, the whole Bible, and to look for those illuminating truths. I, I love how... Psalm 119, verse 105, puts it this way. Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. Um, that's why we, we have you go through the, the devotional and, and, and want you to, to, to get into God's illuminating word all the time. Boy, if you can do that daily, that's amazing. And because there's stuff in here, there's stuff in God's word for each one of us. These great illuminating truths for life. And he wants to be that light to you. Uh, we have the choice to look at the light or turn it on or not, but it, but he is that. And to trust in that is to actually turn it on, to actually read it, to actually listen to what he says. <clears throat> Jesus says, I am the door of the sheep in John chapter 10, verses seven and nine. To trust in these words is to understand that through knowing him and living life his way is where true inclusion is found. I would say there's not a person in here who doesn't want to feel included in some way, regardless of gender or ethnicity or uh, social economic status or intellect or, or, or uh, uh, likes and dislikes. We all want to be included. And really the way to feel that sense of inclusion, that sense of connection, that sense of, of togetherness is found through Jesus and to trust in him in that. Jesus says, I am the good shepherd. John 10, verse 11 and 14, to trust in these words is to accept that Jesus really does care for us because he does. He really does. He cares for you and what goes on in your life. You may think that no one even knows. Jesus knows. He cares for you. He, he says in Psalm 139, he's intimately acquainted with all of your ways. Other passage says there's not a hair on your head that he doesn't know about or, or the hair that's not there, that was there at one point. <laughs> Jesus is a good shepherd. Jesus says, I am the resurrection and the life. John eleven twenty five. to trust in these words is to put our hope for life in him. That true life, our life is found through him. I love how Philippians 4, 19 puts it. He says, and my God will supply every need of yours according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. It's him. He is the life. All that life-sustaining energy that flows through us is, is in the vine, in him that we attach to. That's why he says in, in John 14, 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And to trust in these words is to actually follow his 
way of life. Whose way of life are you following? We're all following somebody. To trust in his words is to follow him. Because Jesus said, I am the true vine, John 15, verse 1 that we just read. And to trust in these words to put ourselves into this growth environment and to let that fruit develop, that fruit of, of our character. Uh, Galatians 5, 23 and, uh, 22 and 23 puts it this way. It says, it says, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control. See, he builds those in us when we attach ourselves to the true vine. And not only that, the, 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 the fruit of good works and being at the right place at the right time to help out and to do and fulfill God's purposes. See, these are a few of Jesus' words to trust in. And to grow in faith is to continue to live in, to continue to trust in these words. And to keep taking in the teachings of the Bible, the teachings of Christ. For to abide in Christ is to respond to who Jesus is and what Jesus says and the reality of his amazing love for us. Here's one more choice to abide in Christ. It's to stay in Jesus' love. To remain in the reality of Jesus' great love towards us. Let me read to you this last few verses of our passage this morning. Verse 9 to 11. As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Jesus says, abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love. Just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you. That my joy may be in you. That your joy may be full or complete. Jesus is clear that abiding in him is to abide in his love. Which is to keep his commandments. To to actually do them. So the question is, what are Jesus' commandments? Well, there's a lot of them. The Bible has a lot of commandments in them. But Jesus, as such a wonderful good shepherd and leader and teacher and rabbi actually summarize them into just a few verses. Matthew chapter 22, verses uh, 37 to 39. A lawyer, one who was adept in the law of Israel, came to Jesus and said, what is the greatest and the foremost commandment that we should follow? Oh, Jesus said there's, he just quickly, he just lopped off, which is the Hebrew Shema coming out of Deuteronomy. Uh, basically saying that love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, body, and soul. But then Jesus said the second is like it, to love your neighbor as yourself. See, it's all around love. It's not just the ooey-gooey feeling, oh, I love God, yes, I have a great feeling about God. It's way beyond that. It's actually a feeling that's put into action. Jesus said, if you love me, you will obey action, follow my words. It's an active kind of love. Yes, meaningful, but also active. It's a love that shows, a love that's selfless. Now, the problem is we humans have a tendency towards selfish and self-focused love that's based on what I like, what I want, uh, my way. It's all about I. We do that with friends. We do that in our marriages. We do that with God, and we do that even in church. (laughs) You know, unfortunately, 
We do that a lot in church. We say if, uh, you know, if the, if the music's not quite to my style, I just can't worship. Or if the teaching is not quite to how I want it to be, or the, or the temperature in the room is not quite why I, I want to be. It's, it's not, uh, it's not conducive to my worship experience. And, and all those questions is about me. Whether I'm comfortable or not, whether, whether it matches me or not. And we've got to this absurd reality that church is about us. I, I just can't imagine the angels in heaven in the book of the Revelation singing, holy, holy, holy is our God. And after that worship moment for them to, you know, kind of, uh, hold wings and walk out and say, wow, you know, I just didn't really get it in that worship experience. You know, the, the, the minstrel over there with the zither and the lyre, I, you know, they were just, it was a little too loud for me. That, that person back there with the clashing cymbals, oh man, that really distracted me from worship. No! They wouldn't have said anything like that because they would have been so caught up in how amazing and awesome and truly wonderful and beautiful and huge and powerful God is. All they could think about was yelling out, holy, holy, holy is our God. And what's so sad for us is that we have turned church into be all about us. Oh, it doesn't fit my style. Oh, the drums are too loud. The, the speaker screams a lot. Sorry. <laughs> it's just not me. I'm sitting back in my comfortable place and, you know, the air conditioner. Okay, the air conditioner is right here, yeah. Or if you're too cold, okay, the air conditioner. No, you know. And we just think about it, it's all about us. We've made such a travesty of church because of that. Because we've lost the fight to stay in Jesus' love is a selfless love. Selflessly acting towards God. To be so enamored and so taken with God that we don't care what's about us. All we want is to be able to worship our great and glorious God, because that's our focus. That's how we remain in Jesus' love. It's a focus on Jesus and how amazing and incredible he is and on how great God the Father is and how attentive the Holy Spirit is and finding our joy in that expression of love. You know, why would a parent or a grandparent endure... (laughs) an awful recital and sports game and uh, play of their kid or grandkid. You know, it's, it's awful. It's kids are out of tune. Why would they do that out of love? Because we don't care. We don't care about the performance. We're there out of love. We're there because of the resounding, selfless, uh, giving love that we have there uh, to, to see through the mistakes and the differences. And it is a complete, utter joy. So abide, to abide is to remain in Jesus' love through active, the active love of Jesus, which is to depend on who he is and to trust in his word. Even if we don't feel like it, even if it's difficult or uncomfortable, or it's not our style because it's not about us. See, to abide in Jesus is to respond to who Jesus is and what Jesus says and the reality of his amazing love for us. The question is, will you? You know, any athlete must put themselves in a game-on environment to grow and to move on to be who they need to be for their team 
And so it is with life. If, if we want to move on from that spiritual life stage of commitment to commissioned, it's found in abiding in Jesus. To abide is to live in or to depend upon who Jesus is. To abide is to continue or to, to trust in Jesus' words. To abide is to remain in or to stay in Jesus' love. Will you pray with me? Father God, um, too many times I know that uh, I want everything my way. I want everything wrapped up in me and it to be just how I want. And yet, Lord, you selflessly gave yourself so that we could live and live in the freedom in you. And Lord, by choice, we need to graft into the vine to who you are and what you say and to to live in that environment of love. And so, Lord, help us in that. Help our unbelief at times. And help us be in this wonderful environment to grow so that we can produce the fruit that you intend for us. And so bless us in that, we pray. In Jesus' name. Amen.